is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Against my better judgment, I am back. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne. Real Kipper and Bourne Show. Do we say episode one? I hope so. I think that's the right thing to do. Welcome back, Kipper. Welcome. Does it really feel like I've been back or I, I left to, to, to come back? Because I almost feel like it's a, a break. Yeah. I feel like I've been on this extended break and I walk into the building and nothing's changed and everything has changed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, it, since you left, uh, the world has been flipped upside down. So I would love to say, <laughs> I would love to say it doesn't feel like you've left, but it, it feels like the last year or two has been a hundred years. So it does feel I, like there has been some absence. I'll be honest with you, man. I, I could not have picked a better time oh. to, to take a little bit of a break. <laughs> you timed it beautifully. You really did. So as we get back to normal, um, you're back. It I, is. So I guess this I don't is... Know. I don't know how normal it is. And by the way, I think it, it worked out to like, you know, 22 months, 23 months. But it's like dog years. I know. So what do they say about... What is one year for a dog? We got seven. Right? Seven years. No, I, I think actually it's like 15. Is that what it is? I have no and idea. And then it works its way down, I think. It's like <laughs> scaled. So I don't know. You're the analytics guy. So what's the AAV on a dog? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I'm able to provide you the dog AAV, but we'll get there. I'm sure there's a website for it I can find. Oh, God. So so, so what have you been up to? Oh, well, you know, I had, uh, I, I took a break. I, I had a... Uh, I had a podcast, mm -hmm. so I started with the, the Real Kipper brand out there, and Doug McLean, uh, of course, you know, and uh, uh, thought we had some fun along the ways, yeah. and obviously I traded him in for you, which I thought was a good idea, but now I walk in here and I see that you're younger and better looking <laughs> than me, and I'm like, Maybe that's not the trade I wanted. Well, you know what I figured it was is I always heard Doug giving you a hard time for being a, a fourth liner and, uh, you know, you didn't play all that many minutes and here I am. An Amer <laughs> I'm an American League guy. You're like the superstar uh, with, with that resume. So. Well, I can, I can live with that. Yeah. I can, uh, that, that makes me feel a lot better and, and you're off to a, a good start <laughs> already. Uh, but uh, overall, just I'd like to – to get your idea of, of, of what's really changed mm -hmm. in, in a year and a half for you uh, personally and, and professionally, because you are, you are at a, at a stage where I was, I hate to say it about 15, 16 years ago. Yeah. Well, it's been a whirlwind, man. You know, like my, I, I had a, a daughter during the pandemic, you know, our show went off the air. We did that from home. I imagine your show was done at home too. Yes. It, you know, the Leafs went through, I mean, I know we're going to get into that aplenty here. Um, but the, the, I think the greatest thing is that I was able to get comfortable in doing this, doing this with Merrick and Stewie and Brian Burke and David Amber and, and those guys making me feel comfortable. So now that, you know, as the Leafs come back and the season comes back, I feel like I am, I am, I've been training to be your partner in all this. How, where are you at? Where's your progression over the last year and a half? How have you changed well, it's first off, I, I almost I, I bet my wife you would swear on the air today. 
Well, with the with the uh, the podcast, yeah. it's I, I I I hope not. I don't like to really use those words unless the hands start moving around and I'm like not paying attention. So yeah. I hope you keep me honest on that one. But it's like anything else. You build your studio at home and you start working out of home and all of a sudden you, you turn around, you're spending way more time at home and all of a sudden that domestic kind of angle comes in and... For example, ever watch the Seinfeld episode where where Jerry's got the consecutive streak going? Yes. You, t- t- tell tell the listeners what the consecutive streak was. The consecutive streak of hold on, Jerry Seinfeld. He, he, yeah. There was one episode where he, had, he he talked about this consecutive streak of of not throwing up. Of not throwing up. Yes, yeah, okay. you remember and the that. black and white cookie? Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. So he's counting the days until that he hasn't he's thrown up. Very okay. proud of this consecutive streak. I've had a consecutive streak of my own at home up until the pandemic. That is, I don't vacuum and I don't do laundry. <laughs> You're of no use. No, no use. Yeah. No use. And then that 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 changed everything. And I, 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 vacuuming. Is your wife dying to get you in the studio, though? Is she excited today, then? Uh, yes, I think so. Yeah. I think so. But the, the whole vacuuming thing, it's like, it, it's a complete introduction for me. So, yeah. you know, I'm like, where does this thing plug in? And uh, it's like... It's better just not even to try. I find when I try to help in those sort of things, I just make it worse. It actually was a little bit more natural for me because it's almost like... Uh, the, the motion of spearing a guy behind uh, behind the knees, <laughs> right? Stabby. So that, yeah. that that little stabs, little quick in and outs. So let me ask you then how how is it coming back after that consecutive streak to Sportsnet? Like, did you guys did you leave yeah. here on? And uh, maybe this is too much for show one. Did you did you leave here on bad terms? On good terms? Uh, no, not bad terms. And I, I think I made it. Uh, I think I made it abundantly clear that uh, I I conscientiously wanted it yeah. on good terms because Why? I because I had a great run. Yeah. Like how many people get over 20 years at the same company and uh, do what you love to do and that's outside of playing hockey you get to talk about it. Yeah. And I was s- telling someone the other day like you know I'd be in the car with my kids and we drive by one Mount Pleasant and it'd be like hey kids look at Look at the the building that dad grew up in. Yeah. You know, so I I kind of wanted it much like my hockey career. I, I looked at it as a as a natural progression that I, I look at my career almost like high school, man, where yeah. you just you got the the laugh, uh, you know, the good times and the laughs. And but now it's now you have to grow up. And then when I left Sportsnet, it was like, now you have to grow up. Yeah. And you're ready to come back. You're like, and now I'll go back to high school. <laughs> right. So. You know, leaving it then, how does it look differently than when you were here in the early stages? Because there's obviously social media is a big difference from when you were on in the early days. Well, that, are you saying that lightly or I mean, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not just different, man. It is out there. Yeah. But you it, had it to evolve with it before. Yeah. But does it feel different, like a, a an evolution that's too far? Uh, at times for sure. Yeah. And, but, but it's there and it's not going away. So you, you accept it. It's a double-edged sword. There's parts of it that's great. And there's parts of it that's not so great. And we'll get into that, uh, when we, when we talk about the Leafs, because there just seems to be, uh, 
as strong as anything out there, uh, that fan base that have their say. And I want to get into that with you for sure and and so much more. But outside of that, it's more about the evolution of our our business Mm -hmm. and how it's now in a position where people get what they want when they want and less focus now is like, okay, what's your time slot? And I'm like, I think it's three to five, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter now because people are going to download this and they're going to listen to it when they walk the dog. They're going to, when they're on their treadmill, when they're uh, having their coffee the next morning, it it won't matter to them because uh, that that's, that's the new age. And to me, the more, the bigger focus now moving forward in in such a short period of time is uh, just, won't matter. Yeah. Just reacting to the games and planning for the games. As you mentioned, uh, the, the radio part of it is not such a big deal. This ideally will have more of a podcast format where it is, you know, downloadable and listening to, listenable to whenever. So um, that's going to be different for me too. The Leafs along the way. I assume you've been uh, nose deep in it the whole time. How can you not? Yeah. How can you not? Even as I, as I took a break uh, from Sportsnet, be entrenched in all of the talk and all of the attention and it's full circle, right? You, you, you start off a fan. If you're lucky enough to get involved in the business as a professional hockey player or broadcaster, you, you're still entrenched in it. Yeah. And for me, I, I grew up a Leaf fan. I did. Absolutely. I had my heroes, Sittler, McDonald, Palmateer, Boria. That was my era as a kid growing up. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely thinking that these guys hung the moon. So, of course, as a professional hockey player, it took me a while to go into that environment, not have my autograph book fall out of my hockey pants. <laughs> and then you start thinking more like, hey, instead of looking up to these guys, let, let me just see the same see see the world at the same level as them right it takes time and then there's the professional broadcasting part of it where you want to be objective you want to be you know fair and you don't want to get your pom-poms out either and that's what we're going to do we're going to cover the leafs uh and do you find yourself like a fan still like a pom-pom having fan do you want them to win i i would like to see it ch- i would like to see a championship here no question like the basketball fans got for the Raptors. I'd like to see the city potentially break off at Bloor, you know, (laughs) and and fall into Lake Ontario. I I think that would be kind of cool. I've been torn on this the whole time because, like, I can't help professionally. I obviously root for them to win because, you know, they go in the playoffs. There's more interest. That professionally, yes, of course. You know, I, I have my relationships with the club, having spent time with Kyle and Sheldon uh, on their staff for a couple of years. So there's people that I want to see win too. So like, it's I was I'm always torn going into doing a show like this. You know, are you going to present it as a fan who wants them to do well, or just or be you know outwardly critical? And I find myself falling yeah. on that side of it. I still have to do that. I, I've been I've been away I've been away long enough um, from from feeling like a a kid wearing a Sittler jersey. Yeah. And I, I do look at things first and foremost uh, through the eyes of 
an analyst or an ex-player. Yeah. And that was always my strength, I think, for 21 years. And I, I didn't shy away from it. I didn't, I didn't apologize for it. I'm an ex-player. The first natural instinct for me is to give you my opinion as an ex-player. Mm-hmm. And I did that. And at times I was accused of being pro-PA and getting hammered by the likes of McLean or Keenan yeah. early in my career, or any of them as being uh, uh, this, you know, pro player guy and can't see through the eyes of an owner or a general manager. And like, okay, like yeah. no, Who I'm not cares? a GM. No, I have nothing to do with that. Right? Yeah. Nothing. So that's, that's the way I can present myself. So watching the Leafs now and, and seeing what they're going through, I try to envision myself, if I was in that dressing room, how would I feel? You, you take everything that you can on and off the ice and you try to dissect it. And that's what I think, you know, what our show is going to be about. Uh, we're going to try to peel back and there's what you see on the surface. And then, of course, through our eyes, it's going to be how we, we look at things and how we interpret. Yeah. So that's, I'm really looking forward to that, Justin. Yeah, me too. No, this is, um, you know, I think we, we have one thing in common. We'll have a number of things in common, but one of the big ones is, all right, what did he, what did he mean when he said that? You know, and we just watched that Amazon All or Nothing uh, series, which you and I are both going to delve into uh, later in the show. But like taking away from uh, the, the presser quotes and the uh, in-game commentary and saying, okay, well, well, what does this really mean? I don't think we can interpret any of that fairly without getting the opinion of Kyle and Sheldon, um, you know, where you stand on those guys. I don't know if you want, do you want to start with how we got here as a team before we get well, to that? Yeah, yeah. First of all, uh, it, what listeners can, can look forward to is just mm. besides me and you is, is our producer, Sam McKee. Sammy. Hey boys. Now, if, if there's someone that really has an understanding, I think of, of leaf nation, it's, it's this guy. Now, I don't claim to know Sammy very well yet, but we've had a couple of meetings. And when we start talking about the Leafs, his eyes turn to the size of manhole covers. <laughs> and I'm like, this might be fun. Yeah, he's a <laughs> human thermometer for Leaf Nation. So, Sammy, before we get into all or nothing, and start breaking that thing down. I throw this. First of all, we'll go to Justin first, and then I want, I want Sammy's opinion. But the state of Leaf Nation, mm-hmm. and where is it in 2021 compared to where it's been in the past? Well, because the one thing that I, I have kind of observed from afar is it's a little bit more vicious out there yeah. that than we've seen in the past. And at times, it was almost as if they were okay with being the butt of a joke, a punchline, <laughs> right? But I don't get that sense anymore. It's it's like the kid at school who's just been bullied and he's kind of taking it, having a good time, trying to fit into the fellas. Like, uh, you know, we're all having a good time here. And then all of a sudden, it just goes too far and he snaps. Uh, Leafs Nation has snapped. The good thing is, there's not apathy yet. You know, I, I don't encounter a ton of people saying, ah, I don't even care. I don't care what the Leafs are doing. There are people who say that about the regular season, but 
but they don't not care about the Leafs. In general, it's just a lot of anger and frustration. They've been waiting for this release. And, you know, going up 3-1 on Montreal, who wasn't making plans for the next series? Like, our, our show at the time was saying, okay, if Montreal comes back, how can it happen? We had guests on. I said, how can it happen if Montreal comes back? And everyone's like, ah, it's just not. You know, unless Carey Price blacks out, there's just no chance. It's happening. We were talking about Winnipeg, doing preview shows for the Jets. You know, what do we think about their first line? How, do the, how are the Leafs going to match that? So getting there and failing... It's the ultimate But they've failed up. before. They've, yeah. they've been down this path. It's different now. It is. It's uglier out there. It's not just the, the piling on of the failures. I, you think I, it does feel different. Sam, help me out here. What's going on with your nation? Well, I think a lot of Leaf fans, like Borny said, didn't care right after it happened, and they tried to kind of separate themselves from it and be like, you know what, I don't really care. I don't care that it happened. There was a big-time apathy, I would say, in the weeks after the, the collapse. Sure. But now, you know, as the games are coming back on TV and, you know, and there's, there's Leafs news trickling into the, uh, into the Twitterverse and into, into my... The texts are returning from, <laughs> from friends and family. And, you know, now that the Jays are... Uh, uh-huh. they're, uh, they're out, uh, heartbreakingly... I think it's really going to start to ran, ramp up here with the fandom. The Raptors are coming back. The Leafs are coming back. But I will say that, to your point, Kipper, it's been much more vicious. And I think, you know, the contracts, which you guys are going to get into, has a lot to do with it. I think, you know, them asking for the world, getting the world, and not delivering is a big part of it. So I, I think it's going to be a different type of year here and a huge type of year. And I'm thrilled that we have this show to talk about it because, boy, it's going to get hot here in a hurry if they don't have a good start. You know what? really poured gasoline on the fire was Toronto, Montreal. First one we saw since 79. Okay. And what was abundantly clear was the battles between Canadian fans and Leaf fans and just how, how hard that was. If it was Tampa that beat them, right. If it was, even Boston, but not Montreal coming back 3-1 and rubbing our faces in it. It was the ultimate worst-case scenario. It truly was. Yeah, so, you know, the where do you go from there question is uh, looms because how do you get people to believe in this team again when all you've done has been promise with no and, delivery? And there does seem that some have bailed. It does. It, it feels yeah. like... They've bailed. And yet, whether you're talking about Canadian fans or, or fans across the country, and we know that the Leafs are the most loved across the country, but they're also the most hated. Oh, yeah. They are. Not even close. Is, is it even close? Another fan base that's hated as much as the Leafs? Is there, is there, is there anything <laughs> Sam, close? Sammy's got one. Vancouver. <laughs> Vancouver's a pretty hated fan base, I think. I think they're a, they're a similar sort of a more a more vicious Toronto, but I think they kind of other fan bases look at Vancouver and don't really like them a whole lot. But I don't think there's anywhere near. I, I, and by volume, I don't, they I don't just don't have it. it. I, I don't. I, I don't. I don't sense that. Yeah. I think. I think might be Twitter specific. I, I think the Leafs are are sitting at the very top. Yeah. And I just, I, I think it. The, the the biggest reason why I think the Leaf maybe organization or or fan base is hated because of the fact that no matter win or lose, 
they they sit at the top of the mountain mm-hmm. when it comes to still talking about them. Lose last year, and we're we're introducing a, a new two-hour show. Attention, a day. exactly. Attention, and and the cash that they generate, mm-hmm. and the and the power that they wield uh, in the league, and that'll never change. And it hasn't they, changed. They've since, done their best to change it. <laughs> they can lose all they want, yeah. but they still get the the uh, the love and the attention. And all or nothing is a perfect example, and there is a jealousy out there, right? That is undeniable. There used to be when I was younger that because of that it was blue and white disease, right? It was like you know that no matter what the fans are going to come, no matter what they're the most important, so we don't have to win, we don't have to do this, we we spend to the moon, and it doesn't matter. I don't think that's the case now. Now it's like. There's, they're in a salary cap environment with everyone else. They're, they're at, they got rid of, I think, the people who they thought were responsible for blue and white disease. And now it's just normal failure. It's just boilerplate failure right but, now. But there is, there's a sense, since I can remember, whatever era it's been, whether we're talking about Cliff, Fletcher, right. uh, Dave Nonis, John Ferguson, Brian Burke, uh, and now Kyle. That that there is a sense when when you are running the Toronto Maple Leafs that they can they can still go out there and do stuff that other can even in a salary cap and sure. it, it must drive teams nuts that they can turn around and give a fourteen million dollar signing bonus and not even sneeze. Yeah, and. And others can't, and I think we're gonna we're going through that with uh, Brady Kachuk in Ottawa. It's like, yep. buddy, no signing bonus. Say, so look around the league; and, everyone and yet, does this. So, so the, the, there is a sense still that no matter the lack of success for the Leafs, there 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 there's always been a sense of arrogance mm-hmm. about this organization. I think Dubas and, brings a different kind of that, and they're. They're not humbled in any way. No. They're not. And I think it, it's followed from decade to decade that they're not vulnerable. If there was a little bit of that and a little bit of humility, I think it would help them actually. So this is something we talked about for later in the show, but like the the past, the the 54 years since they've won a Stanley Cup, should it not weigh on them you know should that be something you know maybe i'm jumping the queue on this conversation you know we talked about in the uh in all or nothing paul paul mclean says you know these guys are seeing demons right demons in their bed de- demons in the car demons everywhere and come kyle dubas in their press conference leading up to this year says you know he, they don't feel that way sam should we do that now why don't you play that clip we don't carry the burden of you know 50 four years or whatever with us. Um, a lot of the people in that room when I walk in there weren't alive then, or most of them weren't, or all of them weren't. Which contradicts what we saw in All or Nothing right. with the coach, Paul McLean, because there was a clip in that that said just the opposite. That they got the demons. So I guess my question to you is, should they? 
Should they carry the weight of all the past failures and should that be a part of their burden now? Or is their burden solely the one they've earned since Dubis and Keefe have been here as the, at the head of all this? And Shanahan, for the record. Well, I, first of all, okay, again, we, we're going to get into all of this. Yes. But I'd like to get your thoughts on just the whole thought of a documentary and whether, let's just start as simply, did you, did you like it or did you not like it? Right. So I, I did like it. I thought it was, I, I thought it was very well done. Um, you know, one thing I am sympathetic towards is they said that they only because of COVID restrictions could have one camera crew. So there was a lot of times I would like, I was like, I'd love to hear more from that guy in the room. Like what was being said at the, because they could only be in one place. I'm a little, little sympathetic to them not getting us unbelievable footage that I never expected to see. Um, the one thing I like about it for the Leafs is because they had to approve it PR wise, I think they got to shape their story, which is now you look back at that past failure and you saw the guys crying and you saw the effort. And now they've been able to come out and say, look, we cared. We gave it our all. It didn't work. They, they're in a position to try to earn sympathy with it. So it made sense to me that they did it, even though everyone thinks it's dredging up the past. Okay. <laughs> I think you're so wrong on that. <laughs> okay. And, it, and I'm going to get into it. Trust me. I'll, I'll revisit uh, that, comb- that that sympathetic card. Right. So do you, what you, you I, touch I, on I, if I you not, liked it I'm overall? Not, first, I'm not though. buying it for one second, the sympathetic card. No? No, I'm not. But I just... Let me just start by saying I thought I wasn't going to like it, but yeah. there's there's aspects that while watching it reminded me why I do love it. And as far as pure value for the general hockey fan, I mean, it's there. They want to go yeah. be, they want to go behind the scenes. They want to see that stuff. They it, it's it is fascinating for probably 99% of the the viewing audience. I just happen to be the 1% where I've lived it. I've been there. Right. Right. So I don't watch it to find, you know, to, to go watch the guys race cars or eat a meal in, in, in their kitchen. Uh, no, I, I, I watch it cause I want to watch the behavior mm-hmm. of, of everybody involved. So I, I just, I, for my first thought, of course, as as just a general watcher, is that it, it it does what it's supposed to do, and that's just take take viewers places that they never gone before. Right. I just don't know about the timing of this. You are now in your wheelhouse of trying to win a cup, and you've already got a pandemic that you got to battle or you know overcome. Do you want to? Do you actually want a film crew around you? Um, I, I can't think of a a bigger distraction and i get i get it that mm-hmm. that that cameras are mounted and Kyle can be in his office with Mitch Marner and there's no cameraman per se but there're cameras everywhere and there's microphones everywhere you don't just forget that yeah. and just pretend that you're yeah. uh you know going through your daily basis i just question the timing of it because it's tough enough to try to win a cup, but now I got to think about being on air and having my conversations and make no mistake about it. I think you touched on it a, a while ago. This thing is 
edit it. Okay. Yeah, that's a it's, that's it's, a it's promo. reality it's TV, a, but it's not really reality TV. Right. It's it's what we want. So the biggest thing is who benefits the most out of this? Who has the who has the most to gain out of this documentary? This brings me to the sympathy thing. This is the this is the Leafs. This is them being able to shape the narrative of how it unfolded. Instead of saying, yeah, we were chokers with, you know, it was just the demons in our head, we can say, well, look at all the injuries behind the scene. Nick Felino's on his knees and, you know, look at, uh, you know, Freddie's knee wasn't right. He couldn't go and this guy was hurt and look how upset Mitch Marner was and these guys could, you know. I think the who it benefits thing is the Toronto Maple Leafs themselves. I think the, there's an, I, you know, th- that's not why they set out to do it. I think in Kyle Dubas's mind, it was going to play out like the Man City version his favorite soccer team, which is probably why the documentary happened at all. When he can say, look at the success they had, take us behind the scenes at how great we are that, you know, there's some, I don't call it arrogance, but some expectation that this was going to be a, a great video of their successes. And instead they got to cut it in a way that makes us feel, you know, better about how it unfolded the year before. So this thing never, and, and we can go back to whatever documentaries have been done in the past. And we can include uh, HBO's 24 mm-hmm. 7. But the ones that tend to benefit the most or sell themselves the most are usually the general manager and the coach. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, the, they're the ones that really have a chance to be TV stars. And we'll go back to Bruce Boudreaux, and everybody loved Bruce. Yep. Okay. But it doesn't really shape for the players because, first of all, they have no say in it. Zero. And the Players Association has no say in it. They don't have any editing, nothing. And I think in the past, the one thing that uh, I think HBO or Amazon in this case, they wanted, they, they asked on multiple times if they could sit in on uh, supplement discipline oh yeah and the pa's like no (laughs) no yeah absolutely not like we can only look bad in this right we can only look bad in this so but i do think like i you know i had heard that willie nylander didn't like her his camp didn't like how he was represented in it and had some something to say about it i don't know if they got to do anything about it if if I, I don't know either, but yeah. I know there there were some scenes that the uh, rubbed the, some players off the wrong way. Yeah, and when you just think about it, I think there's a lot of upside, and I th- I think you know the I think I read an article the other day where they called um, I believe it was Sheldon uh, the the star the yeah. star of the show. Yeah, which, he was. I think he undeniably right? was the feature. Whether you think it came off well or not, he was the guy. And it's and it's set up that way, yeah. right? Because it's it's his constant sound clips. It's his. So what'd you think of him? How is your opinion of Sheldon Keefe different? Yeah. After All or Nothing. Well, uh, really emotional. Yes. Very very. Uh, yes. Re- really emotional, and at times I think it served him, and at times I, I think it it didn't. Mm-hmm. But there's no question that it was it was really shaped and edited for a chance for people to understand that uh, Sheldon wants to 
motivate these guys. He wants to he wants to push them. Uh, but at times, I think you know it was a little it'll, a little bit too much for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was torn on it. Um, so you know, having worked with him for a couple of seasons, I've seen a lot of this uh, up ha- you know up close firsthand. Uh, my my first or second day on the job, I think I was telling you before the show, like I put together the keys to the game and went to post it, and he came and grabbed me and was like, "You got to tear that down. You got to redo it." I had to move a comma. You know, his he is a detail focused uh, guy, and he holds people to that standard. But I was wondering, you know, your take on just how just that level of emotion, um, you know, that level of basically never enjoying successes. Like no, you're not, he doesn't let the team sit there after a win and say, all right, uh, moving on. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's hard on the guys. Was it too much for you? Well, I, as far as, again, the editing of the show, we, we don't know exactly what was said completely, what wasn't. We're just based on what's portrayed in our living rooms. True. Right? But I actually thought Sheldon overplayed his hand in the game six overtime. Yeah. I thought, I thought okay. that was a rousing speech. Set the little music bed under it. It's really, uh, really motivational. It, it is, but I'm not sure you want to start off with, I think it was uh, Riley and, and Marner, you're being dominated. You're being effing dominated going into overtime going in into overtime yeah. and i just i'm not sure that that those type of words at that moment were necessarily the right, right ones to get them ready now granted they did come in and they outshot them 13-1 yeah. to start yeah okay so it, it's almost as if that in itself is an all or nothing I really thought his game six overtime speech, when, when everybody's raving about it, actually should have been saved if he needed it for game seven. Yeah. Not the other way around. Because they went into the next day after the overtime loss, and the night, two nights earlier, it was the this is it speech. Yeah, if that right? was it, we're done. And it's and it's not. Yeah. He 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 didn't leave himself an out. Yeah. Off that speech. You know, he is um in my experience really he doesn't fake it. He doesn't fake it for anything particularly well. And so, you know, when he gets in that mode, like I my junior coach was someone who, you know, would tear guys down all the way through the season and all of a sudden in April he's going, Hey, great shift, great shot. We, you know, way to go, bud. And you start feeling pretty good about yourself. You know, I, I'm used to guys bigging you up when you get to the postseason. That didn't seem to be something any strategic motivational strategies. You're right, you can't, you right. know, argue and, the and results. You know, and, and, and again, it's the this is it moment. He said it. This is it. Yeah. The uh, there's nothing to save it for. These are the moments that you're remembered. So they lost the game, and they went home saying, "That's what I'm going to be remembered for." Yeah, it's just that was and, it. And, and you still had you still had meat on the bone here to come back and win Game Seven, and then he had to regroup and find new words. And he, the ones that he chose were 
Mm. You know, we're supposed to be here. That was it, what he said. Well, that's not what you said two nights earlier. <laughs> yeah. You said this was it. Yeah. No, and so coming out of that that whole show, I feel like Sheldon is a big topic for the year ahead because people have a better sense for how he operates with these guys, that he is constantly on the button. And, you know, we saw that play out by him going to Jason Spezza pretty early in the documentary and saying, or documentary, whatever you want to call it, saying to Spez, like, hey, I, I think the guys are tired of hearing it from me. You know, I, I think they're, you know, he's leaning on them too much and he has a sense for that. So he's aware and he's trying to use those guys in the room. But so to your point, if you're going to lean on the guys that heavy and it's all or nothing and it's this is it and it doesn't work out, you know, do you have that same cachet the next season when they've seen it be that way and not work out for them again? You know, is his message as effective with them this season, knowing how last season ended? 1994, longest drought without a Stanley Cup. Who won that one? You brought it up a little earlier. We'll get into that. We're going to take a short break here. But now it's all on Leaf Nation. Real Kipper and Bourne. We'll be right back. We are talking five episodes of All or Nothing. And whether or not... Ultimately, it's a good thing or not a good thing. The nothing jokes are plentiful. You know, there's a lot of Leaf fans out there that just say, why would I be interested in watching a train wreck? Right. Or as Brian Burke says, an 18-wheeler falling off a cliff. Yeah, up next on Amazon, five-part series watching your dog die. There's... My only say, sense as now, okay, I'll, I'll put, I'll put my uh, president hat on or my GM hat. It you know, all or nothing is the best title. It sets it sets you up. Either you're going to go big, mm-hmm. or you're going home. And I just you know, while you you can sit there and say, Sheldon turned out to be the star in it, and you know, Kyle got to. Uh, portray a side to him that, you know, and it's great. Uh, there's there's sides to him that that are fantastic. You know, whether it's uh, the family stuff, whether it's how much he cares about his players, mm-hmm. that is abundantly clear. Yeah. That is that is legit. But you also run the risk of of putting yourself out there that can ultimately deemed as a, a failure. And the one thing I will say, Justin, about all of these documentaries is that I'm not sure how much you really want to expose if you're the NHL and where you cut that line between promoting and building or, or whether you just kind of want to expose yourself a little bit. And I go back to almost like uh Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Am I dating myself or everybody's seen that movie? <laughs> no, that just came out a couple years ago. You're okay. Fine. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> okay? Yeah. You got you got the wizard. 
big, powerful guy, scares the crap out of everybody, right? Mm-hmm. And then you pull back the curtain and he's a carnival guy, right? Yeah. And there's, there's always that. I, I, sometimes I think in life, don't, don't peel the curtain back. Leave a little mystery. Right. Just leave, leave something that, what's that saying? Um, don't, uh, never meet your hero. Yeah. People say that. Right. Yeah. And like it, it's, uh, it, I don't know. I like a little bit of mystery for the fans. You don't have to show them everything. It's clear to me that in the wake of having lost, they really, they want to humanize themselves a little bit. Like, hey, there's no Wizard of Oz here. We're just the guy behind the curtain. We're just people trying yeah. our best here. Yeah. You know, I almost like the idea of the but, Leafs as like the the big force, you know, the impenetrable mean guy, you know, just being the bad guy. But I get but it. The, from- the, the bad guy works too, you know. Oh, yeah. You win championships with the bad guy. <laughs> you can, you can. For Kyle, I thought they took pains to emphasize that he was a hockey guy. They're like, look, he can take a slap shot. It's a functional slapper. Yeah, I, I noticed that right? too. No one mentioned, right? there was no analytics mentioned in any of the Dubas you know? segments. It was all, you know, Kyle swearing and taking slappers. They're like, look, hockey guy is a person here. It's not just a, not just a number. Well, that, that, that's clear is that they wanted to humanize Kyle, right? Because and, the abuse is plenty right? if you and, don't see a face. Uh, I, I go to the Tavares injury and you know i've been i've been around the game a long time i have yet to see a general manager run like he did yeah for Tavares, and again that shows compassion it shows that he cares but was that absolutely necessary You know, my my two cents on what the Leafs doing this in the first place is that I think they've been taking for granted the fan base, that they're always going to show up, that no matter how it goes on the ice, that they're always going to come back. And so, you know, frankly, I've been upset, not upset, but annoyed at how difficult it is to penetrate through their PR to talk to someone on their team. You know, like the the Toronto Raptors are the most engaging group. You know, they're exciting. Their games are fun. They reach out to people. They're you know, you see the, their personalities in social media. The Leafs in the past haven't done that, so I liked that they made an effort to put themselves out there a bit and say, and not take people for granted and say, "Come on in. Here's what we're about." You know, do you want to know more? Because in the past, they have felt the Raptors have been passing them. Let's face it. Like in terms of like the energy in the city. The yeah, Toronto, obviously, even I, before the championship, I feel like the Raptors I, have been passing. I, I just think, I, I just think, you know, it, you run the risk. You run the risk of showing too much of yourself. Even Kyle. Yeah, you want to be perceived as having more answers than sometimes they're like, I don't know. I don't know if Freddie's You know, it's like he, he wants to show the players how much he cares about them. That's the other thing that's really, really clear. And I, I believe that there's no general manager should ever fall in love with their players. They're, they're only as good as until you think that they're good. And then when you don't, they kick you to the curb, bud. They get, they trade you, they send you down. They just get rid of you. And he's all in on all his players. And that's been clear from the get go. And when they let you down, it's just part of the process. The question is like, 
how, how many processes are there? Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, 54 years worth here in Toronto, um, which brings us to a, a topic near and dear to your heart is breaking a 54-year uh, curse. When you, you saw, you, do you see similarities? Between- well, first five minutes, the first place they went. Yeah. 94, Will Arnett went to 94, and it was just no coincidence at all that they took a clip of Adam Graves staring right into the camera seconds after we won, and he screamed 1940. Yeah. So to Paul McLean, those demons are right there. I got traded at the beginning of that season, and it took me all but 30 seconds to walk down Fifth Avenue and inherit those 54 years. Mm-hmm. And we we knew we we knew 1940. We knew it, those demons followed Adam Graves a lot longer than when I showed up, and he didn't hide from it. So we should they hide not from hide it. from it? Or should- we, no, we felt it. You should carry it, but it's like anything else. Either you control it or it controls you. But there seems to be a mixed message now out of the Leafs, whether you're players now or even management, clearly on do we and, – and Dubas, to your point, says, no, 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 we weren't here for 54 years. We don't care about that. I, I, we used it as fuel. Mm-hmm. We used it as, uh, as something that uh, uh, we can take with us and, and, and not forget. And I, I, I don't know whether or not they know what, what to do with it. No, well, they definitely don't seem to be on the same page there. Like Sheldon and Kyle seem to be, you know, they're either leaning into it or they're not leaning into it. Like, is it is this something that they're going to embrace head on? So, you know, in my time um, with Kyle and Sheldon, one of the things that they believed was that if you um, if you address something head on. So one of our players, uh, Trevor Moore, when I was with the Toronto Marlies, they thought he was scared to go in the corners. They thought he was scared. And so they said the only way to address this is to do it head on. So they called him into the office and they showed him clips and they said, we think you're scared. And that's the way that they seem to be dealing with the 54 years in all or nothing. They seem to be saying that, yes, you know, this has been a problem with our team, you know, that last year we had these sort of mental issues, you know, Paul McLean references it. And then Dubas comes out and says that it's not a thing. So it is or it isn't. And there does seem to be some, some problem with them getting on the same page about with his, whether this is going to be a thing for them or not. I think they got to lean right into it. Coming out of that Ranger clip, they started to kind of highlight the stars of the Leafs, right? Yeah. And they 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 got a they got a thing on Austin. They talked about Mitch. They went to Tavares about uh, gr- great leader by example. And then they came out of it, and the, my first thought: no Morgan Riley. I'm yeah. like. How do you not kind of include Morgan Riley in there? The longest guy tenure in, in it is out the of all strangest the, out of all the players. No Morgan Riley. In fact, I don't get any sense of Morgan Riley through the first. He's not like, in the show. Three and a half episodes. They brought him in with coffee. Yeah, and coffee. He's like, I don't care about that. He actually had a hilarious quote that I can't repeat. But but like. How, how do you not have more Morgan Riley in it? And I think it was by design last year of his yeah. contract. And it's like, I can't, 
again, I'm, I'm seeing throughout this all or nothing, I'm seeing Bogosian. I'm seeing VC, a huge thing on VC. <laughs> they were hard on him, weren't they? I'm, I'm seeing Thornton. I'm seeing Alfalino. And yet, none of them are back. They're gone. They're, they're dust. Yeah. Why, why do you want to promote the hell out of them coming into the season? I wonder if Riley just didn't want to be a part of it. I wonder if he just said, "I ah, guys, I want to keep me out of this garbage. I got nothing to do with that." I don't know. Again, you're you're I the sense that you think that they have more editing or more control in that yeah. environment. You don't think un- so. Until someone tells me otherwise, I I'm not sure they went through each and every guy. Yeah. Right? And I get a sense that it was by design last year of his deal. I don't know whether or not it's like a, a message or not a message, but I just found it really strange. But you start from media day and you listen to Morgan Riley's comments and you're like, we're, we're going to get a, a different Morgan Riley this year after uh, you know, being drafted how many years ago, right? Yeah. Six, seven did you catch his, his press conference? Do we have that, Sam? Perfect. You know, again, uh, I think you all know how I feel about being a Leaf, um, but there is a business aspect to it. Um, I'm, I'm going to take care of myself. I feel great. I'm, I'm, I'm prepared for the season. Um, I'm going to really focus on having a good start. And then, like I said, the rest will take care of itself. But, uh, you know, being a Toronto Maple Leaf is, is, is you know, is pretty special to me. And um, we'll see what the future holds. What did you hear there? I only heard, I'm going to take care of myself. Yeah. Did he, was that the only time he said it? I no, think he's got a, he had a couple of comments where he said that in that presser. He, I'm only going to take care of myself. I think he's gone then. Well, I tell you what, I, I, uh, I, first of all, from, from just a player's perspective, I say good for him. Absolutely good for him because you've been here the longest and you've watched Matthews get looked after. Mm-hmm. You've seen Marner get looked after. Tavares got his 77. Nylander at the time blew it out of the water with his almost seven on an AAV. And of course he's going to sit there and go, Okay, Kyle, you expect me to take the hit for all of those guys getting looked right. after? When- like, maybe it's just because I just watched that documentary. But, like, we don't talk about him in the same voice that he's a part of, of you know, at the root of this team. You know what's weird to me, too, is you talk about the, the guys who got paid. I think that's where some of the fan anger comes from. It's because what have they got from, you know, Mitch Marner for their money or, or you know, Tavares for their money? Yeah. Good play. Good yeah. play. Yes. But, uh, well... Marner, one of the top scoring guys, sure. should start his Leaf Who's, career. Hasn't got a goal in eighteen playoff games. Which again, uh, a, a, a legitimate conversation, but right, not nothing is your point. It's, it's, it's not nothing. Oh, right, right, it's not nothing either. But look at the guys that that looks like they're comfortable with letting go. Zach Hyman, who the heart and soul guy, who they created a system with the Toronto Marlies to make sure every player got talked to on the team at least every couple of weeks because no one ever had to tell him anything. He just came and did his job. 
So that's the kind of guy to me you want around. He sets the example. So Zach Kyman goes, Morgan Riley's kind of getting similar treatment here where they're like, ah, it might work out. It's probably not going to. He may just play with the last year of his deal. Connor Brown was that guy for the Toronto Maple Leafs who was a Dubas and Keith guy. Like some of the guys who to me are like integral core value players are on the outs. And maybe that's why this team feels off is that you have the guys getting paid who are less relatable, who are less Darcy Tucker, you know, the type of people, less Wendell Clark, the the type of players who are beloved here in Toronto seem to be the guys who are getting kind of glossed over while the other guys, uh, you know, end up being the, the stars of the show and it's not working. So what, it's to me that this is one of the biggest stories is just watching Morgan Riley this season and there's a number of reasons why you're 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 pissed off if you're Morgan Riley and you and you say I I got to take care of myself it's because you also watched at the most critical time of the season you lost your power play job yeah and he experienced it twice one when Babcock left and Sheldon came in and then they, they put it on Tyson Barry. Mm-hmm. Right. And that might be even an easier pill to swallow because he did have success with a McKinnon in Colorado and he did put up decent numbers. Sandine though. But you lose it to Sandine never been there and it's fine to say that's my heir apparent and that guy will step in you know one day but we're trying to win a stanley cup here and you watch and i'm sitting there going that's a long summer for morgan riley Mm -hmm. when you lose a job on the power plate to a young kid who didn't have some great moments there and what should have been an amazing career for or a, an amazing experience for Sandine to even be in this series and be in that those moments yeah yeah he got he got overwhelmed yeah. on a couple of giveaways yeah, and yeah, i just I, I think they set up Sandine to fail there in the process of pissing off Morgan Riley in the process of pissing off Morgan Riley. So how does Morgan now come in? Where is it in the first two weeks? Is Morgan going to get that number one job right away? Or is it a split? Or do they lean towards Sandine off the start? Yeah. Like you, well, that, that to me is what I want to watch. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, I'm, I'm torn. Like, I know that they can go through this year, extend Riley, still keep his cheap cat hit, cap hit and kind of figure it out after that, and then someone has to go. Um, you know, but he's probably going to make, what's he going to, eight and change, eight and a half, eight times seven. It's going to be a lot of money. It's not nothing the Leafs can take. No, on. but at the same time, we assume they're going to make, which I think is a, a mistake, of renting their own player. Yeah. That does seem like where it's headed. Yeah. And how many have they rented now? Oh my 
God. You got Hyman, JVR, Komarov, Bozak. I don't know. It's a long list. How, how's the cupboard, by the way? It's a little tin. Right? <laughs> She's a little tin. With, with no picks. <laughs> yeah. They're gone. But They're gone. Yeah. No, it's... Uh, so... Well, that's why this so, all or nothing, now or never thing feels so real. It's like, okay. Like... That's part of this frustration. We're, we're talking about, like, nine things that they, contribute to the fan frustration. don't win this year. Like, what's it look cl- like? Is Dubas the GM next year? What's they, it look like the, the next few years? Maybe they can get Lou. What do you think? <laughs> I'm kidding. You you went there already? I'm we're, kidding. We're, this is our first show. I'm kidding. <laughs> kind of. Love Kyle. Right? Um, yeah. But but how, how, like, Morgan needs, he needs his points. Like, it's hard to ask for... It's hard to ask for seven and a half million dollars on an open market when teams are going to look around and say, you're, you're, you're not signing Dougie Hamilton here with a guy that you know is going to just come in and, and, and run your power play. There's going to be question marks. Yeah, yeah, on what you're getting. So let me... So add- I, I think, you know, with, to answer your question, I, I think Morgan, with his eyes closed, could get between six and a half and seven. Okay. But... He's not in that next right eight, that next tier the Seth the next Jones tier, money the, at the eight plus and I, I think he'd like a, a crack at it for sure. So if you think that the Leafs intentionally had Morgan Riley play a lesser role, uh, you know, not to depress his value, but to maybe, you know. He doesn't seem like as as valuable to the team, so maybe it is intentionally. Do you think they would ever depress his his points to try to get him cheaper? Say, we'll start with Sandy and see what he can do. So Morgan comes to us after a forty point season instead of a sixty point one. Maybe I'm being conspiracy theorist there. Yeah, you think they would ever do that? I don't know. Not not to Probably the extent not. where they would hurt the team. Right. Right. No, they, they're they're, they're going to do whatever they can to, right. to to try to win. So they won't they won't sabotage that part of it to. But they will, they will beg him like they begged Zach Hyman to, to just take one for the team. And given a coin flip, if you think Sandine and Riley are equals, you probably go Sandine just because of that reason. If, if you think it's equal and it's not costing you wins and you're like, yeah, either guy's just as good. Well, you, you, you got to groom Sandine. Right, right. right. You'd rather have the yeah, young guy there. You have to. It's just, yeah, it, it does feel weird that he seems so separate to this core, even though he plays, you know, 20 some, 24 minutes a night as their first number one guy. What else did we take out of all or nothing? Because I found how they wanted to kind of sell John Tavares a little bit as, as, a, as a captain or a leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite interesting because the first thing they say is that he leads by example. He doesn't say much. That's what that means. That is abundantly clear (laughs) in this. Doesn't say much. I think there's one clip where he's like, I think it was in the latter part of the series when he tries to, you know, get the boys going a little bit with a little raw, raw, but that's it. That's yeah. it. It is clear, man. This guy has he's to go Barack out there. not Barack Obama. He's no orator. He has to go out there and he has to produce. And, and that is his number one is he's a point muncher, right? He likes his cookies. If He's got to get his cookies. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that that is clear. Um, in terms of other takeaways, I, I go ahead. Oh, just one other thing. Yeah, you, you saw that little exchange with uh, Uncle Johnny, the his one of the best lacrosse players that we know, John right. Tavares. I found that interesting, really interesting, when where the conversation went. Do you remember the conversation? It was like uh, it started a little bit about. Uh, what was the first thing he said? It was almost as if you don't have to be yeah yeah the guy the the the, the best player yeah right um actually that was kind of depressing night. for a Leafs fan guys making eleven sheets a year and he's talking like he's going to be backseat to some of these guys we're going to need you to put up you know forty goals here John. it was uh you know they talked you're right uh, the 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 stages in a long career and I think his first stage he talked about how you're young and you go, go, go. And then Uncle Johnny went, then you're older. And he used the word comfortable. Ooh. And I'm like, <laughs> better not be. I'm not sure with four more years at 44 million that you want to use the word comfortable. You don't think the team's looking for comfort? He's, he's not wrong. He's not wrong because I've, I've, you've, you've watched it many times throughout anybody's career in any era is that you, he's right. You come out with piss and vinegar your first few years. And then if you do land the contract, there is a tendency to lose a bit of an edge at times. Sure. It doesn't happen with everybody, but it, it, I, I found it. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like uh, you know that they chose that exchange in a conversation. Sounds like setting the bar low. Well, it, it's and then he spoke of confidence, and I think Kyle also referenced in All or Nothing that you know John needs his confidence. Yeah, you don't need your guy making much money and leading the team, boy, lacking confidence. I, I tell you what. Um, you know, when I think about certain leaders, I had a chance to be around, whether it was Rod Langway or Mark Messier, of course, Doug Gilmore here in Toronto. Man, losing your confidence was never yeah. in the ever a thought. Ever. So that's my takeaway, though, is not specific to Davara's, but all this mental stuff, all the mental discussion to me would make me question my own mental, you know, health, not health, just my, where my brain was at. You know, Sheldon talks about, uh, you know, it's a mental, we're a mentally fragile team right now, or they, they lose a game. Ah, oh, we saw parts of, you know, last year's team coming back. You know, all this talk about where their brains are at. And like, I thought when they lose that game to Ottawa, they, they blow a 5-1 lead. Just, just move on sometimes fixating on it and we're weak and we're mentally fragile and we're like sometimes you just need to move on it's hockey you're going to get some bad bounces and i think that focus on the mental side of it makes it so prevalent it makes them believe they're mentally weak what did you think you know this is again this is the part that i love we got behind the scenes look at that whole frederick anderson yeah yeah scenario now, please tell me what I saw actually happened 
And that was the complete bail. Bail. Yeah. On either the Leafs with Freddie or Freddie bailing on the Leafs. But I can't believe how quickly this thing soured. And all or nothing showed it right in front of our eyes. Freddie goes down. And they can't get him back on the ice. And I thought that exchange between Kyle and Sheldon was absolutely fascinating. That they don't know what the hell's going on with Freddie. Yeah. They have no clue. Is he practicing? Is he not? Paul, the head athletic trainer, comes in. He's reading text messages, we believe, from Frederick Anderson saying, I'm not feeling, uh, no, not today. And then Kyle turns around at Sheldon and goes, uh, is he on the ice? Uh, is he wearing equipment? Is he wearing a hoodie and tra- track pads? What's going on? And then just the sheer frustration of the eyes rolling and then Kyle going, I've had about enough of this. Yeah. So, you know, there's a divide now where when you played when I played, the coach would come up to you and be like, how you doing? Where you at? How's that arm? You know, your wrist got slashed. You're going to go, you get to go tonight? And you'd, yeah, you'd say, yeah. You, you didn't want to tell the coach you couldn't go. So sometimes guys would lie. So that happened with concussions. And, you know, how you feeling? Ah, I'm okay. I can go. You know, and so what they set up this barricade between the coaches and GMs and, and the players where the medical staff is in the middle and the medical staff works with the player and then the medical staff reports to the coach and GM. Um, and it's supposed to be for the good of the player at some point, surely Kyle Dubas can go talk to Freddie and be like, Freddie, what's up? Like we're a day. Freddie went on the ice the day after the trade deadline, full gear. <laughs> good to go. You know, did, did you see him come off the ice? Yeah. He comes off the ice and he's got Riddick right beside him. Yeah. And the scene has his pads covered from the Calgary flame red to the blue. And then they have Sheldon come in. And then there's the three of them in the most awkward, Super awkward. scenario Super awkward. you'll ever find in a dressing room. And then Riddick addresses Freddie Anderson, right? Yeah, how's it going? How's it feeling? And Freddie shows him no time. <laughs> Iced him up. Won't even look at him. Throws him right out. And then Sheldon comes in. And then they start talking about how good, you know, the, the pads look now. And then Sheldon looks at Freddie Anderson and goes, hey, it looks pretty good, eh, Freddie? Like, well, why is he here? And, he's, and Freddie's <laughs> like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what probably <laughs> Sheldon reeled with just like breaking down that barrier and just talking to the guys. What's going on, Freddie? Help us out. Um, you know, where are you at? And then, you know, getting a sense for, you know, how awkwardly that all played out. I'm not surprised Freddie didn't come back, but I was surprised that there wasn't, I think that may have been where the most editing was done. You know, I feel like we didn't get the true story of what's going on there. Um, that, or they were just way more in the dark than I think a GM and coach should be, uh, you know, without just talking to the guy. Some good TV though. Good TV. The study of human behavior. That's what we're going to do here. That's all we're going to do. <laughs> we'll pick through. No, no, I love no, it. no. That's it. Yeah. 
That's it. We, we're going to do this with everything. Love it. Pre-game, post-game. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to take it all in. Because that's what I like to do. I like to like, you know what I used to do with Elliot? I used to, uh, we used to sit in the green room. And uh, we'd, we'd, I'd like critique commercials. I'm like, everything, all the commercials. And this is where it's really, really changed in the last few years. I'm watching some of these commercials now. This one's my new favorite now. This is one I would tell Elliot is the, the one with the, the wife lying in bed and she's pregnant. And then there's the husband. I think it's for like, like e-trading or something like that. And her phone beeps. And then she says to her husband, and he's just sitting there brushing his teeth, <laughs> happier than a clam, minding his own business. And she's like, Mary and Johnny just bought a new house. He's like, ugh, I never liked them. Oh, my God. And you know, oh, he's like, I don't like where this is going. <laughs> yeah. And then she drops the bomb on him, complete bomb. If we're ever going to buy a house, we got to get going. <laughs> You know what she really means, eh? Yeah. Should have married Johnny. Get your ass going. I will drop you like a hot potato. Care if I am pregnant. (laughs) Hey, listen, she could be right. He could be a lazy ass guy who borrows money from his in-laws and says, I'll I'll pay you back. (laughs) All all those E-E commercials are meant to make us feel bad about it. She might not be wrong. This this is 2021 now, right? It's an awkward time. Bitcoin commercials coming next. All right. Real Kipper and Born peeling back the onion, telling you how we really feel. Coming up after the break, I want to talk about Robin Lehner. Oh, yes. All right. Yep. And where that is heading. We'll be back. As if Toronto Maple Leaf fans, or should I say Toronto sports fans, aren't a little down from blowing a 3-1 series lead to the Montreal Canadiens. They got to kind of feel a little down now for the Toronto Blue Jays, who, of course, lost a potential playoff wild card scenario by having the Yankees and Boston win yesterday. First of all, were you, were you glued like many? Yeah, that I feel that one in my gut. That one hurts. You know what though? This is, uh, there's something like they're at the start of the Leafs thing, aren't they? Where like three years ago, the Leafs were this upcoming powerful young group and failing felt okay. Cause there were more cracks, more cracks added yeah, to come. But I think, I I think there people are are smart enough, or at least watched in the last few years, that, and maybe the Edmonton Oilers started it out by by drafting Connor McDavid. That there's just no given. There's, there's no just guarantees, which no is why guarantees. last night hurts. So if if we want to use the Leafs as a comparison, yeah, maybe we can sit there and say, uh, Vladdy and Bo were Mitch Marner and 
and Austin Matthews. You just made people sick, by the way. Of a few that. years ago. Yeah. No, I no, think no. Come on. It's very fair. These guys are stars. Stars. And, and if they don't win, you're going to get right? frustrated. So four years ago, Matthews and Marner playing with house money. Singing Living on a Prayer on the Bench. Getting a signed guitar from Bon Jovi. No big deal. No big deal. And now there's a ton of weight on your shoulders. And the one the one thing that the Leafs and probably Leaf fans are feeling, though, is even though they still have Matthews and Marner and Nylander, there's a real sense that it's still it's not trending up. No, it's you're right. It's either flatlined or it's trending down now. That's not a good feeling for Leaf Nation. And I think for for the Blue Jay fans right now, they may sit there and go, oh, listen. Look at at the progress we made and the experience and, and all of that. They may be looking at this season three years from now and say, that was our best chance Robbie Ray is a Cy Young winner. A World Series. Marcus Simeon's hitting 40-something palms. From- so are, are you of the belief that, that no, 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 we're, we're, we're good, great experience, or uh, you, you, you lost your opportunity here. Yeah. You, you blew an opportunity here. I've actually changed on this. This is maybe I'm getting older, but, like, you asked me this five years ago. I'd have been like, this is learning experience. They're right there. I feel like... Nothing is promised, to your point. And look at rebuilds around the NHL. Like, they draft, you know, Edmonton, to your point, drafts some of the best players in the world. Nothing is promised. Nothing doing there. You look at teams that tear it down, Buffalo, New Jersey, Detroit, whoever it might be, you're not promised to get back. It's not a guarantee. Buffalo drafts Eichel and... I have like nine first round, or not first overall picks. And, maybe and we're going to get into this, and we're going to get into Robin Leonard and what the hell's going on with him. And, but... Then you experience arguably the worst era of your franchise's history. Like, it's an embarrassment what's going on in Buffalo. Oh, it's humiliating. And yet, where were you feeling when you, when you first drafted Eichel? Here, this is it. Turnaround right? time. This is it. So, I'm of the belief that, like, if they would have got in yesterday they could they, they, they would have won the world series i love that that, that lineup <laughs> like was on all cylinders like uh, the how's ho- the pain mckee how's, the, how's the, it feel to hear the this? home runs from the infield was the last time you were talking about a first or second baseman or a shortstop with 30 home runs and 100 rbis like this Seven was guys like, with 20 dingers and then the the pitching, and then the relief. This was a World Series team. This year was a World Series team. Does that feel good, Sam? Feels really great to hear. Um, <laughs> you know, just Sam, Kipper, you're just I'm making me feel really good. I'm not a baseball guy. I'm not a baseball guy. I am. But that was a damn good team that should be in the playoffs right now. 100%. And here's the thing, though. You look back earlier in the season. I don't know how closely you guys follow the team, but they threw away, you know, 10 to 15 games in late April, early May. Chatwood alone, With a horrific bullpen. And you just think, you know, if they made made the big trade to get Simber and Dickerson, and then they got Trevor Richards uh, from Milwaukee. If you just think they make those trades even a week and a half or two weeks earlier. They get one more. They get, all they need is one more. 
It's just one more. And you can go back over the season, I understand, and do the other thing where you're like, wow, they won these games. They, they scored 11 runs in one inning after being no hit into the six by the Orioles. They probably should have lost that game. Like, there's certain games that you know you should have lost, but, man, there are some games they should have won earlier in the year, and it all it took was one. And it's always a thing with, oh, it's early, it's early, but they all count the same in April and May. So What if, what if Alex t- Galchenyuk doesn't turn that one over inside the blue line, boys? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, wow, so we're just doing everything today. <laughs> <We're> just, <laughs> all right. Cal uh, Dubas loves uh, the expression, there's no alternate universe, by the way. It doesn't exist. I'll, uh, I'll address that in a second. One more thought on the Blue Jays, Sam. Yes. And this is for both of you. Okay. The home run jacket. Retire it, put it up in the rafters, or I'm, keep it. I think I think you keep it. I you know all these teams are doing these different things. Like uh, San Diego had like a big chain, and there's all these different traditions. I think the jacket is amazing. You right. know, I I will say the old school kind of you know curmudgeon in me didn't love it when they're up. You know, they're getting killed by you know they're losing eight one, and they hit a home run. They put it on. I didn't love it there, but I think if you hit a big home run, you're coming to the dugout. They got the jacket for you. I think that's great. Like I really do hope they keep it. I'm in it's, team camp. Of it, keep it is. It. it is such a different mentality, right? And yeah. you know, I thought Pat Tabler made a a great comment. And I'm watching these games, and it's like, oh my god, you know, I say when the music shuts off. You know, 45 minutes before the puck drop, we're like stone faces, man. Just like lasers for eyes. And then you look in the dugout, and there's Springer. Like, like uh, he's he's gone all Studio 54, man. <laughs> he's loose. Right? Keeping the boys loose. He is loose as a goose. And then Pat says, hey, that's that's just a stress reliever. And I'm like... At the end of the day, like, you're up at bat. You got to go sit there for, like, yeah. half an hour sometimes. Like, I'd probably do the same thing, man. I'd be on a on a tablet. Maybe I'm playing solitaire or chess <laughs> or something. Like, I got to find stuff to do. Yeah. To me, it's like Carolina's storm surge. Like, you capture the team and the moment and the energy and you love it, but you can't try to force it on the next group. Ugh. I don't the the home run jacket so, and the Jays Hall of Fame, but so when when we uh, when I got to throw out the first pitch at Yankee Stadium after no we won the deal. cup, right? We spend the whole day with them, and we're we're in the locker room, and I don't know first pitch is seven oh five, and you know they were nice enough to let us uh, do batting practice and pitch, and L- Brian Leach was on the the mound. Could throw over ninety miles an hour. By the way, eh, Brian. Not Lee? shocked by that. Uh, and uh, so it's like fourth, four o'clock. Four. No, probably about. Uh, I don't know when batting practice would be, but right after that, we're like, uh, you know, we should get out of your hair. You guys got a big game. And they're like, no, 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 no. We're gonna eat now. Buffets <laughs> come out. A fried chicken. Two fried, hours. Prior. And they're like, we're eating with them. And like, I'm like, like, give it's me just, a, give it, me a couch after this. The last thing I would think yeah. of if, is going out there and one sixty two though, Kipper. One sixty two. So then we were we're like eating so we can get out of their hair, and they're not like, uh, okay, well now you got to get ready for the big game. And they're like, no, 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 we're gonna do kangaroo court now. And this is like, I don't know, pitching first pitch is like i don't know i think within an hour yeah 
and there's Wade Boggs, and they're all like coming out with the robe and the, all of it. The, it got completely played <laughs> out. And we're like, oh man, this is a yeah, we're playing the wrong sport. Different we're, we're world. We're playing the wrong sport. Different world. Okay, all right. Keep the jacket. Keep, keep the, the jacket. jacket. And I'm moving on. The but I, I tell you what, I I, I don't want to see Carlos putting on the jacket. Let the players just do that. I don't want to see Carlos putting the jacket Charlie, on. Yeah, yeah. You, you're, 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 uh, sorry, uh, Char- Charlie Montoya. Charlie yeah. Montoya. Sorry. Yeah. Charlie. Say, who's Carlos? Yeah, yeah. Delgado? No, no, not Delgado. <laughs> I, I don't want to see Montoya uh, put the put the jacket on. They that, should have just to wear leave it for the players. They should know? have to wear Robbie Ray's pants when they yeah, hit a home run next you year. Don't, like, you know, you want a job at Harry Rosen's? Like, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> just let the players do that. I yes, like I like yeah. that idea. All right, hockey, hockey. We're back to hockey. Uh, Leonard made some noise in the last little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do know that uh, it's a constant hot-button topic in the National Hockey League in terms of, uh, you know, what's going on in terms of uh, pain relief, uh, availability of medicine to these guys. Yep. And Leonard has a lot to say. How he presented on Twitter... Uh, is a huge concern of the National Hockey League. We did hear Gary Bettman on the Jeff Merrick show earlier today address it. Well, we take his comments seriously, and we'd like, in very short order, to be in a conversation with him so that we can hear his concerns directly. Uh, and we're going to follow up. Uh, to see what merit there may be to his concerns. I mean, you don't have to tweet to get our attention. We have an 800 number that people can call. You can call us directly. We're an open book. Uh, But uh, if he has concerns, we want to hear them and then see how they need to be addressed. You know how we would like to, like, interpret? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you got? He's pissed. Yeah. I mean... That's just not the way to go about it, right? Like he, like if Leonard's got good points and he does, I'm sure or might, like the Batman, you think is just pissed at the way it's been presented to the public, correct? Absol- ab- absolutely, and in terms of now pointing fingers at certain organizations, including the Philadelphia Flyers and Elaine Vigneault, where, to my recollection, they their their paths never crossed. Yeah, I mean, like okay, said, I don't you, know. You want to you want to talk about uh, Buffalo? Okay, no no problem at all. Uh, but to now hear stuff secondhand out of the Philadelphia Flyers, and then to call for Elaine Vigneault's job on his Twitter, uh, wouldn't you? Like, where where's the burden of proof on now? Yeah. So I don't know what would have been the best way for Robin Leonard to make these points, which are probably quite valid. And it might may be a part of a, a bigger conversation for the NHL. It might be something they need to investigate. Um, but it's a big accusation to make. And it feels like that's a t- sort of thing that, yeah, behind the scenes to say, hey, listen, I'm uncomfortable with what's happening around the NHL. Let's talk to the people involved. So I feel like that on one hand. But on the other hand, it's public pressure that really moves the needle. Like if he doesn't go public, maybe they can bury it a little. So maybe this is the way 
to actually spur results. So I'm kind of split on on how he went about it. I'm sure Vegas didn't love it, though. Like, could that not have happened in July? I'm thinking if I'm Vegas. Leonard, of course, uh, we're talking about uh, certain drugs like Ambien uh, given to players for travel, many without prescriptions, and benzodiazepines. It's, it's, it's my understanding now, Justin, that uh, a lot of these things now, like, I don't believe for one second in the year 2021 players can now walk into a training room like I did 20 years ago and pull something out of the medicine cabinet. No, but... Right? There's barcodes. Yeah. Like, like doctors and So you trainers. did, though, when you played? You went in and just said if there was a bottle of, like... Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it without the trainers knowing, yeah. right? Or... or and, and that's up to the... That's up to the uh, the trainer to say yes or no, but I would never go in and, and, and take something on my own without knowing what it is. Yeah. So I had a shady doctor. I had a doctor in the minors who is in jail now um, for abuse of, you know, this, essentially. You know, he was writing scripts for guys upon request. He came to team parties with a script pad. So what do you want? You know, like it's, I don't doubt I don't think that exists. That, that You end up in jail, that's no bueno. But I do think that it would be different team to team because I played on a team that wouldn't give us painkillers and just said, I don't care. You know, we're not going to be that team. Here's a bunch of ibuprofen. You know, that, you know, you take whatever, 800 milligrams of this. And if it's not enough, then we got to have a bigger conversation. But I didn't see them hand out any painkillers that year. So it depends on the staff to staff. It varies a great deal. So for him to generalize that the NHL does this is hard to believe. But I don't doubt that he knows of teams and stories over the past handful of years where this has happened. Which is fine. Absolutely fine. And if you've got something to say, then say it. But give the NHL and give 31 other teams a chance to to answer those questions Mm -hmm. behind the scenes. Why do you have to drag it publicly first? Because... That's what we do now is that we, 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 we go out there and we try to rally the troops and we want to just now pile on. And that's, I'm sure Gary Bettman and Bill Daly right now are, are thinking, okay, how, how, do we, how do we handle this? Because it's not that they, they, they won't want to listen to him. It's like what Gary said. You, you don't have to go public. You just come to us and talk to us. And, and if you feel like then you're getting stalled, then go to plan B. But yeah. try plan A. And that's just... That's a good point. How- also, better have he better have something. You know, he better have uh, something credible behind the scenes to go on with this. Because otherwise, hurling an accusation and calling for someone's job, not good. Not good. And I imagine Vegas, again, not very happy about the, you know, now this is a about a topic for young. them. Like, you, you can describe Elaine Vigneault a, a lot of ways, but mean or, you know. Uh, Ultimate dinosaur Vigneault goes, right? I think I'm experienced. I mean, like, <laughs> dinosaur, like, yeah. I, like, where's his... Where's the ability to go back to the league and say, can can someone just call for me to be fired yeah, from what, another team? What's the policy here? What's the policy? <laughs> right? It is. Have you ever seen a player call for another random coach to be fired? 
Like that's got to be unprecedented. How, 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 like so, what is Gary gonna do about this? You know, I would say that there is a great sensitivity right now uh, to mental health concerns, to you know, over medication, fair treatment, medical. I would say that it's a very touchy one, and that doing anything with Robin Leonard in terms of suspension or a fine or otherwise would would look bad for the league. Look like they're trying to hide something or muzzle them. You know, Leonard actually said that they were muzzling them about the vaccine stuff before, didn't he? Again, uh, I am so sympathetic to, you know, mental health. I I get all of that. Yeah, yeah. But if, if you're healthy enough to play and contribute to your team, then you, you, you should kind of follow the same rules. If, if I'm not battling any mental health, can I call for another coach's head or his job? Am I allowed to do that? Or does he get the benefit of the doubt because he's battled, he's got a history. I don't have a history. Therefore, if I did that, I could get suspended a game or two. So hmm. just let me know the rules. Mm-hmm. How does it work? I'm guessing the answer is going to be you can call for anyone's job and no one's going to do anything. I'm guessing that that would be what they would say. But you're right. That would be a firestorm. Imagine Morgan Riley comes out today and he's like, you know, sucks Paul Maurice. (laughs) 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 Sick of Paul Maurice. Get him out of here. It would be fascinating to watch the league handle that. Oh. (laughs) Probably not going to happen. uh, But... Yeah, it is. No, it's different. It's uh, It's a a tough one. It's really, really tough. It is. You know, it's what we talked off uh, about at the top of the show when we talked about, like, sensitive issues and how things have changed over the past couple of years. This is going to be handled differently now than it would have been a few years ago, which brings us to Jack Eichel. Which brings us to Jack Eichel. And uh, Jeff Merrick had, again, uh, Gary on the uh, on his show today, uh, launched his first show. Uh, way to go, Jeffy. It's, uh, the discussion, Jack Eichel... And Jeff Merrick made a reference to, can you step in and do what's best for the game? Sammy? It's a terrible situation. Uh, I don't think it's fair to point the finger at anybody in terms of who's right or who's wrong. Uh, I think everybody's approaching this with the best intentions. Uh, and, and the injury uh, is, is complex, uh, both in its diagnosis and its treatment. And I think people need to be a little more patient because... Mm-hmm good for anybody uh but most importantly we we've got to focus on collectively and worry about uh jack's health both in the short term and the long term so there there isn't a sort of uh uh good for the game card that the commissioner could play to 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 end this tomorrow (laughs) i i I can't no it's really what's good for jack what's good for jack yeah nice try jeffy on what's good for the game but jack eichel saying yeah. Care about the game. I care about me. Yeah. And I'm saying to anyone caring about Jack Eichel in this situation for, on the Buffalo Sabres right now. So, Gary, reference it. What's good for Jack Eichel? He's he's telling you what's best for me. Yeah. What I would have liked Jeff probably to follow up was, hey, Gary, who gets to tell Jack what's best for Jack? You the Buffalo Sabres or himself. Mm-hmm. 
like that I would have like I guess to see, Gary to being a lawyer deal. he'd have been like well if you read the fine print in subsection 32a you know like it's it's not Jack whether it should be or not so what kills me about Gary's but line he said he said he said what's best f- for, for Jack yeah uh, my question is who makes that decision because I've tried my best as an organization now I put myself in Kevin Adams shoes right and um, we know what the CBA says, that we have final say on treatment. But I, I can't get him. I can't get him there. Right. So what kills me is the phrase, Gary, used best intentions. I think everyone's operated with the best intentions. No. What they're doing is they're trying to trade Jack Eichel and get the best return they can get. That's what they care about is protecting their return and those assets. They don't care if Jack 20 years from now can hit a golf ball. And and there's no teams biting. There's nothing. There's no. There's not, eh? No. Not on Jack Eichel? Just because of the uncertainty around the injury? Exactly. Yeah. 100%. So what are they going to get for this guy? He's not going to play. First off, he needs the surgery so he can play hockey this year. We we got to get him. You got to get him fixed. Yeah. So. And he's just waiting for this to happen. I say, let him get the surgery he wants. Stop it. Enough already, Kevin Adams. Let the guy get the surgery that he thinks is best for him. And take your chances. Because what you need now more than anything is for that guy to get back on the ice ASAP. That's it. Yeah. And you may have to eat crow and bring him back and, and let him play for the Buffalo Sabres. You got You got to show people that he has the value that you're asking for. And soon as he comes back and starts playing again, then now Kevin, go back and revisit on your ask. I wonder if I even would play for them again. I mean, they stripped does him of the seat. Does he want to play in the NHL? This will this will help you best. Yeah. Okay, but you have to you have to get him back on the ice. And if this is your best chance, and and by chance, if the if the surgery is a failure, then write it off. Eighty percent of his insu- uh, his contracts insured, mm-hmm. and say it's over. Get your money off your insurance claim and move on. You know what complicates this, though? What complicates this is it's Kevin Adams' first big public stand. And he can't, I I think he doesn't want to come off in his first big public stand as eventually just saying, all right, you waited me out, you win. I think it's a reflection on him as a young first-time GM about are you going to kowtow to what, you know, other people want from you. And I think back to Kyle Dubas's experience with William Nylander. And if Nylander breaks him in the end, right? At the 11th hour, the Leafs decide they need Nylander. December 1st, he plays. They get a contract done. If he holds firm there, is the Marner contract better too? Does he have more cachet there? So is Kevin Adams worried about his public perception as someone who who can be bent, can be broken yeah, as someone who gives I don't think I don't think there's a moment when they don't think about their public perception. Sure. Not one second. So... But you, but you need perception you, aside. You, you need, need options, and you need options, and you gotta find different ways 
to get there. And right now, there, there isn't. There isn't until you can find him in a position to, to fix his issue. Mm-hmm. And I, I, would, I would tell him, go get the surgery you want. And, but I got to get you back on the ice. If I, if I give you this, then you're coming back to play for me. And then you're going to play great. And then I'm going to move you. But Kevin Adams kind of put himself into a corner here. Oh, yeah. Right? Time. He, he, we should not be he here takes today. Away, he takes away his captaincy. And again, like, why? Why do you, why do you uh, need to announce that his captaincy is going to be gone the first day of training camp and that, that uh, he failed his medical? Okay. Can, can you tell me something <laughs> yeah, in, the, in, the, in the two years that I've been gone? Why do we need to announce someone failed their medical? Yeah. They did that with uh, with uh, Eichel, Archibald and they did that with Carey Price. I think it's like oh, yeah. I don't want to hear like he's not healthy. Why do you need like I don't use the word fail? I don't I don't <laughs> use that with any of your 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 assets your 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 players. Just don't. He's not here. Yeah. He's on the IR. He's on this. But he failed his medical, and he's no longer the captain. Uh, so you... I like the captaincy thing. I think they should have taken it away. Why? He doesn't what want does to be. Do? He, what it does is allows you to move on. No. He's not no, going to be a part does, of that team. Justin, what it does is it devalues him. That's what it does. It devalues to him. To who? To everybody. You're no good. You're not our leader. Uh, you failed us. You let us down. That's all you're saying by, t- by stripping mm-hmm. him of his captaincy. And I'll tell you another thing you do is that you send a message to everyone else on that team that if, if they can strip Jack Eichel down, they could do it to me one day too. I think you've sent a clear message medically as well that where their priorities lay. They yeah. don't care what you, you have in mind for yourself. You know, yeah. And I think that's a really poor message. If you wanted to now tell me that... Uh, we are now going to uh, name another captain, Darlene. Okay. Yeah. He will be the captaincy with Jack Eichel out. Then that serves a purpose. Mm-hmm. If you're moving, turning the page to the next if captain. If you're turning the page. If you're not announcing a new captain or giving uh, one temporarily to somebody else or sharing the responsibility, leave it alone. Mm-hmm. Leave it alone. Take the high road. Uh, you're going to tell everybody it didn't work out for us with Jack here, but he's still, he's still great. He's uh, one of the best players when he's healthy, I'm going to get him healthy and you're going to give me a boatload for him. I just thought it was a bad, bad move. Yeah. I I feel like it, you know, your team, he's not going to be there and he doesn't want to be there. And the idea of, we don't want people here who don't want to be here. Um, So just one quick question, because I also want to ask you about, um, you know, just overall predictions for the Leafs in a, in a summation, but, but, Jack Eichel, is is he at all? Is he being a pain in the ass, or is he fully in the right here? Because I'll yeah, be honest, I hear some things. That he's he's, kinda, he's he high can, maintenance. He can kind of be high maintenance. He's high maintenance. But that's okay. not this. That's not doesn't matter Listen, here. If uh, I'd be all over Jack Eichel, I'd be trying to get him on my team. I think if you were running, if you're if I was running another yeah, team, yeah. I would try. Would I give up a boatload for him? No, but I would. I would go after him. I try to steal him. Yeah, I would try to steal him, and 
I would try to. This is Buffalo's worst nightmare. I, I, <laughs> but but he's got to he's got to come back. Yeah, he's got to come back on the ice. I can't even if I even if I stole him, and he doesn't play, or he gets hurt, the injury. I still look like an idiot trading for him. Yeah, because I got to give up something. I got to give up some blue chip. And you don't want to give up any blue chip stocks if he can't play at all. It's just a bad move. Like I said, Buffalo may have to suck it up, let him get the surgery, and get him back on the ice. It seems to me the only solution here. Because he's got to play. He's going to miss the Olympics now. Like, if I'm Jack Eichel, that that hangs over my head too here. Like, I need this so I can be back playing so I can play yeah. for my country. Um. Are you good if I uh, throw throw you the Leafs predictions? Oh, no, no, no. Okay, so we got, got anything yeah, else? we got a few. No, no, we're good on on Jack Eichel and uh, uh, Leafs tonight. Do you know? I want to know if you think that this season, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs in the 2021-22 season, what kind of team are we looking at? Is this a playoff team? Yeah. Is this a good team? Is this I, a cup I, contending I, I, team? I, I, I don't envision having, I don't know, the best the best goal scorer on the planet. Yeah. That's what he is right now, Austin Matthews, the best goal scorer on the planet. And Mitch Marner, who's a top five point producer, Tavares still gets his cookies. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot, Nylander, like. Good top four now? Good top four. Like, with his eyes closed, Nylander should get you 25 the yep. way he finished last year, and uh, more commitment, more maturity. H- how does how does that offense miss? I agree. It is. It's just so bizarre a world the way people talk about the Leafs right now because of the frustration and disappointment, and people are just like, I don't care, I don't want to see it. I'm one of the rare people who see. Uh, I like the idea of running back this team the way that Washington did with Ovi and Backstrom at the core. And St. Louis was good for all those years before breaking through. I still feel like this is a good enough team to to move the needle this season and win playoff rounds. I know that's a low bar, but tonight on tonight on Sportsnet 590, the fan, the Leafs, and the Ottawa Senators. We got Brent Gunning and Gord Stellick Nation post game. The fans, no Tavares, no, no. Leander, no Marner, Ooh. Um, Matthews. No Matthews, of course, but feeling like he's going to be ready for game one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what do you uh, what do you see out of tonight? Bunting is back in. The legend. The mm-hmm. legend. Maybe, <laughs> maybe arguably the best the greatest exhibition ever. player in Leaf history. It's possible. So, yeah, looking at this group, I guess I want to see who who's going to get the last forward spots up front? Because they is it Engvall? Is it Brooks? Is Robertson finally going to do something that makes you makes them you know really stand out? Amadio, Hussein, Semyonov. There's guys here, right? Like they're they're dying. They're throwing these guys out and say, someone make the decision for us. That was a coach staple. We assume staple. we assume they're going to carry twenty three on the roster. Yeah. So there's certain guys, even at twelve. 13 and 14 that are in a dogfight here. Yeah. Including Hosang. You like Hosang's chances to stick around? Not out of the in, gates. In the organization. Yeah. I, yeah. He's, I don't see him on this roster. 
you know, you know what I love the idea that you and I have talked about is Curtis Gabriel. Is he someone who can do something different for a Toronto Maple Leafs team that uh, hasn't had someone dying to be aggressive? Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne. Hey, thanks for tuning in and listening to us on our first crack at the real Kipper and Bourne show. How'd it go for you? Buddy, great. I'm I'm excited for hockey games. That's that's what we need some we need some puck to discuss. Not docu-series. And uh I guess Oh, is it, do we do we come back tomorrow too? Oh, every single I've never time. done two in a row. <laughs> it's like Seinfeld Streak, buddy. Make sure you're listening. <laughs>